0: Hello and welcome to the Body Acceptance Podcast. This podcast is for women who struggle to love and sometimes even like their bodies and who want to build a more loving relationship with themselves through experiencing more joy, pleasure, and confidence. Each week we'll cover topics ranging from body image, intuitive eating, self-love, and so much more. If you're ready to learn practical tips and tools for loving the skin you're in, then you're in the right place. Let's get to it. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Body Acceptance Podcast. And this week we're gonna talk about binge eating. If you are watching on YouTube, hello, and if you're listening on the podcast, welcome to new listeners and welcome back to return listeners. All right, so let's just dive right into it. We're gonna talk about three reasons that you binge eat and what you can do about it. So I was inspired to make this episode because first of all, I hear from people all the time that they feel out of control around food and they can't seem to stop binging and they don't know what to do about it. And also last night I was just scrolling and saw that someone had posted in a Facebook group that I'm part of that they were kind of at their wits' end with binge eating and that they wanted some help and support. They were seeking medical help um, from a medical professional. And they said that they didn't really want like nutritional support, which I think is very smart of them to recognize that it goes beyond food. So that's what we're going to get into in this episode. And the reason that I also feel compelled And like, I have something to say on this topic is because I myself struggled with binge eating for so many years. And I just thought that something was broken and something was wrong with me and that I was out of control and disgusting. And I thought all these things about myself to the point where I never really talked about what I was going through or shared it with anyone. I just Would put myself on a number of diets and meal plans and I tried all these different things to try and stop binge eating because I thought that what I needed was more willpower and more restriction and I just needed to be harder on myself and it was actually the opposite of what I needed, but I didn't know who to talk to about it and I don't know that many people openly talk about binge eating and what to do about it. And when I was first learning about binge eating and understanding more about it, I had heard of people who went to something called Overeaters Anonymous, which is, as you can imagine, like Alcoholics Anonymous for eating. But obviously, if you think about it, you can't really treat those two the same because you need uh, you need food to function and to live, but you don't need alcohol. So it's just a completely different approach. And so people would talk about how they would go to Overeaters Anonymous and share how they binged, and then everyone would encourage them to try harder next time and to not allow themselves to binge. And you know there was just a lot of shame associated with those meetings and just like trying to stop almost as if you would try and stop alcohol like cold turkey. I've also heard of some people being treated through more food restriction by being put on, say, a meal plan or being encouraged to develop more willpower to try and overcome the urge to binge. And those are things that can actually perpetuate binge eating. And that's something that I will talk about as we get deeper into the episode. So first of all, let's start with a baseline definition of exactly what binging is so that we make sure that we're on the same page. So I Googled it and from the Oxford Dictionary. The definition says that binge eating is the consumption of large quantities of food in a short period of time typically as part of an eating disorder. So you may have heard of bulimia, which is binging followed by purging, but there is also binge eating disorder as I was referring to. And binge eating disorder is similar to bulimia, but it's the binging without the purging. And it wasn't until after I quit dieting and I healed my relationship with food and I was able to look back on it. I was in health coaching school when I first learned about binge eating disorder. And based on like textbook definition, I had all of the symptoms of binge eating disorder, but by then I had already overcome it. So it wasn't anything that I needed to be diagnosed or treated for at that point. So binges can be part of an eating disorder, but it doesn't always have to be the case. And keep in mind that you, in order to seek treatment or to ask for help for something, you don't have to be at the extreme or get to the point where you need to be diagnosed with an eating disorder. I encourage you to get help as soon as you feel that something is off and everyone's range of the help that they have access to will look different. So if you can get help with a nutritionist or a dietitian and a therapist, that's great. If you feel like you only have access to podcasts and books, that's how I healed my relationship with food. There's just so many different approaches that you can take. Binge eating is also often associated with other characteristics, such as feeling out of control when you're in the binge, almost like you can't control your body. And some people describe it as like a blackout where it's when you're in a binge, you can't really Um, It's almost like you're blacked out and then you come out of it. And some people describe that as coming out of the binge. Also, it usually means coming out of the binge, feeling really shameful, really disgusted with yourself, feeling physically sick, feeling really overly full. But again, in the moment, thinking that you didn't have control or really feeling like you didn't have control over your body. So you weren't able to stop yourself from eating past that fullness It can also look like planning a binge ahead of time. I used to plan my binges for when my then boyfriend, now husband, when I knew he'd be out of the house, I would go to Walmart and buy a big quantity of food that I knew that I would consume in secret. And that was even more shameful that I never told him what was going on. And at the time I was really big into fitness and I had started to develop a reputation as being you know, super strict with my diet and exercise and being fit. And so I would have those binges in secret, never told anyone. And then I would hide the evidence from him, like the wrappers and all of that. I would hide it at the bottom of the trash can so that he would never know what I did. So there's often, you know, eating in secret, eating when no one's around. It also can look like developing trigger foods, that you believe are the cause, or you feel like those are the reasons that you're, you may be addicted to those foods. And that's the reason that you're out of control. And it's not anything to do with necessarily anything psychological or physical. You think that, you know, you start to develop a fear around foods. And oftentimes these are the foods that are demonized and clean eating culture or diet culture or things that you're taught are bad for you and you're bad for eating them. Now, before we get into the three reasons that you binge, I just want to share the difference between binge eating and emotional eating and why it matters because a lot of times What people are describing or saying that they believe that they're binging is actually more so emotional eating. And the reason that it's important is because the treatment and the approach to both are going to look differently. So, binging is more of a physiological response to food restriction or a lack of having enough food. And whether that's physically or a mental restriction, and we're going to get into that deeper. But the reason that binges feel so out of control is because it literally is like a physiological body response to food restriction. So for example, if you really had to pee and you told yourself, no, you really don't, I don't really have to pee. I'm fine. And then you hold it to the point where you pretty much burst. You're going to pee your pants, right? So in that case, the body has taken over because you've denied yourself the ability to go to the bathroom, the body takes over and that's exactly how it is with food restriction. So it's a survival mechanism within the body and it's the body's response to denial of a basic human need. And in this case, that would be food. And then emotional eating is something that's usually done more consciously. At its most basic, emotional eating can be described as eating for reasons other than physical hunger. So this really means that eating birthday cake or dessert after a meal can technically be defined as emotional eating. So it's something that culturally and socially we do it more often than we realize. But where it starts to become a problem and where we start to feel bad about it is if we've placed high restrictions and expectations on ourselves to eat a certain way, and we're trying to exert control around food, whether that's through a diet or, you know, a clean eating plan. And if you only have, if you only know how to cope with difficult emotions using food, maybe that's what you were taught growing up. I know that was the case for me, then that's basically your toolbox of how to deal with difficult emotions is that you eat. And maybe that served you at one point in your life, and maybe it's not serving you anymore. So the primary solution to solve that, if you feel like you're eating emotionally more than you would like to, is to work on developing other coping mechanisms for your emotions and handling your emotions in different ways. Now, emotional eating is an entirely different episode that we can cover another time. I just wanted to point out the difference because people often get the two confused and they'll usually require a different treatment or a different approach. As I said, the tools for overcoming emotional eating can often overlap into helping with emotional eating, but it's not always the other way around. All right. So let's get into the three reasons that you binge and talk about ways that you can overcome it. So the first reason could be due to physical restriction. So If you have a history of dieting or food restriction, meaning that you cut out food groups or you count calories or macros with an expectation of eating less than your body's needs in an attempt to lose weight. If you have practiced intermittent fasting and you feel hungry, but you don't allow yourself to eat in those moments when you feel hungry If you're experiencing actual food scarcity, if you don't have access or you don't have the money for food, uh, maybe you grew up with a large family and you felt like there wasn't always enough food to go around or if that was real or if that was perceived, maybe you had siblings that ate all the good food as soon as your parents bought it. Um, You could also experience physical restriction through not eating enough throughout the day. All of these are going to prompt your body to do what's necessary to get its nutrient and energy needs met, even if this is delayed. So for example, say you're on a diet and you are trying to eat a certain amount of calories and it's not enough for your body. So you're in a calorie deficit and maybe you can keep it up for a certain period of time, but eventually you feel that your willpower starts to run out and you'll feel a strong urge to eat a lot of food or to to eat. And usually that leads you straight to your trigger foods that you feel are off limits because you've put those on a pedestal and those tend to be very high energy foods like such as sugary or um, basically fast acting carbohydrates that, that digest in your body very quickly. And that's where the physiological response comes into play is that the body is designed to be highly motivated to seek out food when you're not getting enough to meet your body's energy needs. So what can you do if you are experiencing physical restriction? The first thing you can do is start to work toward making peace with food. So you want to incorporate a variety of food and nutrients into your diet rather than demonizing certain food groups or feeling like you can't or shouldn't have specific foods. So you want to work on adding foods in versus taking them away. And this is called the crowd out method. And it's really effective to begin to focus on foods that you'd like to be eating more of. And it naturally crowds out the foods that say you want to be eating less often. And when you are eating a variety of nutrients and nutrient dense foods, You'll notice that you, your body is nutritionally getting enough of what it needs. So it's not begging you basically for food all the time. You also want to make sure that you're eating enough and that you're eating regularly and maintaining your blood sugar will be key in this. This is why when it comes to the debate of should you eat breakfast or not? I'm a big proponent for eating breakfast Because you're starting out your day by stabilizing your blood sugar. And this is why it's also helpful to include a protein, a carb and a fat in your breakfast and a fruit and veggie. If you can do that as well. I've been loving lately, avocado toast with an egg on top. I know that's so cliche and basic, but it's so good. And then a chopped up apple or some kind of fruit on the side. If you're a coffee drinker, I recommend having your coffee after you have your breakfast to avoid having a spike in blood sugar or energy and then a crash following. So it just helps you even everything out and Start the day again with stable blood sugar and stable energy throughout the day. Make sure that you're setting aside time to eat adequate meals, depending on your profession or your lifestyle or your career. This is going to look different for everybody, which is why it's so important that you experiment and figure out what works for you. Usually every three to five hours is a good amount of time between meals, but again, everyone's hunger level and nutritional needs are going to vary. So just listen to your body. If you find yourself getting to the point where you are hangry or you're ravenous, often that's usually a sign that you've waited too long and your body is experiencing a blood sugar crash. So in that case, you're going to crave quick energy like something high in carbohydrates or coffee or an energy drink. And then that's going to create another energy spike and then a crash. And that's going to throw off your moods, your energy levels. It can even create imbalanced hormones. Another thing is that if you find yourself binging at nighttime, you want to just take a moment to assess how much you've eaten throughout the day. So usually the culprit here is that you've been maybe too busy to eat enough. You haven't stopped to eat meals throughout your day. Maybe you had a busy day. Maybe you have a kid, maybe you are a nurse and you're running all over the place, or maybe you've been trying to be good, quote unquote, good all day. And then by nighttime, you've run out of willpower because willpower is not an endless supply. If you find the urge to binge at night, that's usually your body catching up to all the calories that you didn't consume throughout the day. So it's nothing to beat yourself up over. It's just something to assess and make sure that you are eating enough throughout the day. The second reason that you might binge is because of mental restriction. Mental restriction can be a result of, again, a history of dieting, not just in the way that you limit foods, but in the way that you perceive foods again, being that foods are good or bad or that you're bad or good for eating certain foods. This can also be a result of perceived food scarcity, even if food scarcity is not your reality. This was the case for me when my bonus son first moved in with us. And anytime we would have anything like chips in the house or ice cream, he would eat it pretty much immediately before I could get to it. And it was causing me to feel anxious around food and feel the need to binge on that ice cream or those chips so that I could make sure that I got some. So what I did to help with that is I started to buy him his own ice cream and his own chips and just let him know that mine were off limits and that if he wanted more of his, he could let me know. And I would get him some more. And I just had a conversation with him about why, and that I was working on having a healthy relationship with food and it was nothing that he had done wrong. I just wanted to make sure I felt like there was enough to go around. Um, Mental restriction can also come from feeling guilty or afraid of food. Again, feeling that food is good or bad or that you are good or bad for eating certain foods or feeling that one certain food or meal is going to make or break your health or your worthiness. Like there's just so much that goes into it. So what can you do about this? First, you want to work on healing your relationship with food and there is a variety of Resources out there that helped me. The first book that I always recommend is intuitive eating. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes or in the comments below. So you want to educate yourself on understanding the correlation of size and health. We've been taught as a society and a culture to believe that you can look at somebody and just know exactly based on their size, what their health status is. And that's not the case. So the book health at every size is a really great resource. People often feel resistant to that work because they think that it's irresponsible. And the message is that everyone is healthy at every size. When the message is actually that you can be healthy at any size and your health is determined by a lot of factors other than just your size and your habits. You can also work on body acceptance. I have my book body acceptance. It's available on Amazon and you can purchase it by clicking either the uh, show notes, looking into the show notes or the comments below, or you can go to the bodyacceptance.com and get links to all of my work, including that book. You also want to neutralize all foods, meaning you're just seeing food as food and deciding from there, getting curious about, do I like this food? How does this food make me feel? How do I want to incorporate this food and work on discovering your personalized version of health, what that looks like to you and understanding that again, health is so much more than just eating nutrition and exercise. It's the thoughts that you're thinking on a daily basis, it's the relationships that you have, it's whether or not you're satisfied with your career or your overall life. It has to do with your genetics, your socioeconomic status, your race and gender identity. Just there's so much that goes into it. Now, the last reason that we're going to talk about today That might lead you to binging. And this is very closely related to the last one, which was mental restriction, but I wanted to give it its own space. And this is having shame around food. Feeling shameful around food can cause you to numb out. So you're not able to get in tune with your body and recognize when you're full or how much you've eaten or if you're actually enjoying what you're eating. It can also cause a lack of trust with food or with your eating habits. Um, It may be the catalyst for you wanting to eat in secret or eat quickly and eat large amounts when no one is looking and then feeling ashamed and unworthy as a result. Shame around food can also be caused by tying food to your inherent worth. So going back to the morality piece. So what you can do is practice mindful eating by being present without the TV on, and you can even just start building the habit by committing right now to being present for one meal a day. And I like to turn on relaxing music, light a candle and take a few deep breaths before you start eating and then check in with yourself throughout your meal to see again, am I enjoying this? Am I what's my level of hunger fullness on a scale of one to 10? Am I satisfied? Am I ready to stop eating? And maybe just taking a few deep breaths throughout your meal. And then if you find yourself wanting to binge instead of going into a shame spiral, or if you find yourself in the middle of a binge, allow yourself to stay conscious and get curious if you can, because again, it's the un conscious portion that makes binge eating so complicated, bringing consciousness and acceptance into your eating process will open up space for you to begin to understand why you eat that the way that you do, and then decide what changes that you want to make when it comes to how you eat. So when I first stopped dieting and allowed myself unconditional permission to eat whatever I want, I had up to that point experienced a few binges per week or maybe once a week, but I binged pretty often in other words, and almost immediately after I stopped restricting food, I stopped binging as well, but there were a few times at the end where I binged maybe once or twice more. And in those times I was able to bring consciousness and awareness and to tell myself like, I recognize what I'm doing and it's okay. I'm just going to allow myself to move through this. And then afterwards, I'm going to take away the shame and I'm going to get curious about what happened and how I can prevent a binge in the future. You also want to remind yourself often that what you eat doesn't determine your worth. We all have developed funky beliefs and behaviors around food as a result of our upbringing or cultural conditioning, But you can choose to unlearn everything that you think you know about food and health up to this point so that you can then develop your own personal beliefs and your own healthy relationship with food. All right. That's all I have for you this episode. I'd love to hear one thing that surprised you most about what I talked about today. So you can either tag me on in your Instagram stories or on your feed or you can DM me. I'm at Lauren M. Kendrick and just let me know. Thank you again for listening or watching this week's episode. And I will talk to you again next week.